Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is Rubina Chaudhry, along with uh, Phyllis Amon and our guest host, Anu Pala. We are going to use a slightly different format for our today's show. Our topic is speech and how it uh, impacts us as we age and as well as at other ages as well. And our guest who, guest speaker is uh, Phyllis Amen, since that's her area of specialty. And as uh, any good managers, we know that... Uh, uh, that uh, it's important to have the next generation coming behind you and ready to be able to help you and support you. So we have invited Anupala to be our guest host with uh, uh, with me, and then Anu will conduct the interview with uh, with Phyllis, and Phyllis and I will have a conversation. Now, for Anu, you may remember her. Those of you who listened to the our show on. Um, November 25th on Vision and Vision Health. Anu is a consultant. She is a communication specialist, a, a super, super person who's interested in broadcasting and in helping the community and uh, and uh, working with the community and the nonprofit uh, sector. And uh, Anu, welcome. Thank you, Rubina. It's so great to be back on the show and talking about a topic that is so, so important. Um, so thanks for the opportunity, ladies. Um, I think we should just jump right into the topic because we have so much to cover. <laughs> okay. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And with that, I'd like to introduce my, my co-host, uh, Phyllis Amon, who is also our guest speaker for today. And Phyllis is is really truly an advocate for seniors. She has worked in this industry for all her life. Uh, she's written two books, the latest one being um, Overdue Quality Care for Our Elder Citizens. And you know her from this show um, uh, many, many times. Phyllis, welcome. Oh, thanks for, thanks for having me. <laughs> that sounds funny. <laughs> No, it's just right. You know, we have this such a valuable resource among us, and we want to highlight your area of specialty, and that is why we have this slightly modified um, program format. And yes, you and I could have done the the interview, but I think this is a good opportunity to to bring Anu in so that uh, we will have a, a host substitute when one of us <laughs> needs to be a bit, you know, I mean, we always have to be planning for that, remember? Absolutely. We're, se- we're seniors. We need to be able to and willing to live our life as we want. And that Absolutely. means take vacation. Anu, please. Well, sure. I mean, I'm thinking we can just have a conversation and because this is uh, something that, you know, we all can uh, join together and just chat. Um, but, you know, uh, as a person who just graduated from community, professional communications uh, and, a, and a communicator in general, I mean, the topic of communication is just, to me, comes to me so naturally. And, you know, I was thinking as we were discussing this topic about how speaking is just, it comes to us so, so easily and so simply. And it's such a forefront in terms of everything we do. I mean, communication impacts us in every way and form, whether it's verbal communication, body language. And you start to think that what would happen if we lost the ability to speak entirely or our speech was um, impacted in some way due to an illness. Um, That's where someone like you comes in, Phyllis, to support with that. So tell, tell us and our listeners just what is your role as a speech therapist. Thanks, Anu. First, I want to piggyback on what you just said. 
because communication truly is the foundation of all of our relationships, personal, professional, casual, family, friends, and acquaintances. And you're right, we take it for granted. We really, really do. And until something happens to us, then we realize how much of an impact our inability to communicate has on our relationships. So as a speech therapist or a speech and language pathologist, I've worked for um, over 40 years in this field, but for the last 25 or so, have worked in skilled nursing facilities, nursing homes, which has been my particular area of expertise in advocacy. And um, so in that arena, I'm working mostly with adults and mostly older adults who experience a variety of different kinds of difficulties communicating. And um, we could go through them a little bit if you'd like, uh, you know, to have a little bit like of a background or an education about some of the difficulties that I see or that people of certain ages start to experience. Would you like me to do that? Yes, please, please. So um, when a person has some, let's say, difficulty with slurring their words or the speech doesn't come out clear um, for a variety of reasons, um, you know, we call that dysarthria. So it it involves the muscles of the tongue, the lips, even the cheeks, because people don't realize how much is really involved in speaking until they have some kind of difficulty, even the teeth, actually, because um, the sounds we make with our our lips and our our tongue uh, has a lot to do with uh, where it's placed with our teeth. I mean, if you think about it, if you put your top teeth on your bottom lip mm-hmm. and make, you you need your top teeth to make uh, the sound f- like F, right? If you want mm-hmm. to say free or frankfurter or, or whatever it is. So your, your teeth are really very important, as much as are, are important as your lips and your tongue and your cheek. And so... When people's speech is slurred, obviously it's harder for people to understand them. And depending on the degree of difficulty or weakness would depend on how slurred the person's speech is. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, we know that we use different muscles to speak, but when you when you narrow it down like that, it really puts things into perspective and my brain right now is just I'm automatically my teeth are, are you know touching my lip <laughs> I'm just trying to see what that feels like because we just do our things so naturally without even thinking right just to I, I just as an example mm-hmm. I'm sure both of you have had experiences at the dentist I know I have I'm sure many listeners mm-hmm. have so if you have any kind of injection with Novocaine so that you don't feel when they're drilling or performing any kind of um, dental um, procedure on you, then afterwards your muscles are numb. And I'm sure if you think back, you're probably aware that it's a little more difficult to talk at those times. Your tongues, your tongue feels heavy. Your lips don't move as well. You feel uncoordinated. Um, and your voice sometimes doesn't even sound the same, and you feel like you don't sound like yourself. I agree. My, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about my dad who just had some dental work done a few days ago, and his mouth was all frozen up, and her her talking kind of like this. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, of course, it's difficult to understand him. And so so yeah. now, in that situation, that's going to resolve fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But. Can you imagine if it doesn't? And that's a permanent state of affairs. So obviously that's difficult for the person. It's frustrating. And it's also sometimes difficult for the listener. And that's where the listener has to understand and have more patience and give the person time to get their message out. But it is a very frustrating situation and it creates all kinds of feelings in the person that are that is speaking or trying to communicate what they're 
need or want or feeling is because they know it's not coming out clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Phyllis, can you talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about permanent, a result of uh, speech impediments uh, as a result of um, permanent, uh, you know, how can I put this, like, you know, permanent uh, loss of speech. What types of situations can cause permanent loss of speech? Well, there are a variety. So I actually only touched on the muscles and the dysarthria part of it, which is weakness. I didn't even talk about, we didn't get into yet a person's difficulty understanding what people are saying or having difficulty speaking because they can't remember the words or they remember the words, but they can't get them out. But but we can get to that. But it could be a variety of different uh, situations. A stroke, obviously, is one of them. And that doesn't have to be a, a permanent uh, situation that it, that results in an impairment, but it also could be. Um, I'm working with a person now who has Bell's palsy, which is uh, they they're thinking that it's a virus of the um, of the nerve, and that causes paralysis on one side of the face usually, and uh, it affects the face, the lips, the tongue, and um, so. But that usually resolves as well, usually. And there are other situations uh, that can be both termi- uh, permanent and, and temporary. There are medications that can cause difficulty speaking. Um, you know, it's, it, it's such a wide array. And then there are techniques that, as a speech therapist, you work with somebody to try to strengthen those muscles to either regain function or, or to improve the function the functionality of what they have so that will it will hopefully impact their speech in a more positive way. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that people who experience strokes, um, they may recover from the lack of their speech, but they may not? Correct. I mean, it. Uh, there are ver- there are varying degrees depending on the severity, let's say, of of the stroke, which is a can result from a hemorrhage in the brain, a blood clot, so that the oxygen doesn't get to a certain area of the brain. Um, you know, there are a variety of. Um, uh, there's also cancer that can affect. Um, you know, impairment in the brain if it's if it's a, a tumor that's in in the brain in an area of the brain, so um, it can improve with therapy, but not always. Okay, okay. So when a person experiences challenges with their speech, aside from communication, um, how also are can, are they impacted? Well, there are people who withdraw socially Uh, they become isolated because they're self-conscious about their ability or inability to communicate they're aware of the fact that the person listening is can be frustrated or doesn't understand what they're trying to say Uh, people uh, are reluctant to socialize outside of their home let's say if they're in the home I mean I've known of many situations where uh, people come to visit a person and they, they just don't even want to um, be part of that social situation. They remain in their bedroom because they're embarrassed. And if they have a paralysis on one side of their face, sometimes they're embarrassed by how they look, depending on how severe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I said, it it's also the listener who... Um, you know, people can become impatient where we all live busy lives. And I'm sure yeah. we've all had experiences, even people who are speaking slowly and uh, we're not used to the, yeah. the rate at which they speak. And you're thinking to yourself, come on, like spit like, it out. Come on, spit it out. Yes, I, I, I have to admit that I, I as, as, as much as I am a patient person, I have noticed at times where, you know, if somebody is speaking a Especially my like my mom, I'd say she's her her nature is just to speak very slowly and softly, and she's very calm and very meditative most of the time. So you know when I'm in a rush, I I'm like okay okay just spit it out, tell me now, you know. So yeah, and it's it's and then and I think that's really important um, to remember that that especially when you've experienced something like a stroke or 
if a person has dementia, it's we need to really like take a step back and just remember that hey, this is really challenging. This is challenging for them, and we need to be patient. And and I think there's also a tendency where people tend to talk for the person. Yes. So um, I actually uh, was at a party last night and somebody asked me what I did. So, of course, I was talking about it. And this woman was telling me about her mother who had Parkinson's disease uh, years ago. And um, she said that the people, when they went places, would speak with her as if her mother wasn't there. They would ask her, like, what, what does your mother want? Or what does your mother want to eat? Or, or where does your mother want to go? Whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And she used a term that actually disturbed me. But when she said it, it, it really made sense. She said it was like my mother was erased. Like she wasn't mm-hmm. even there. And I, as I'm saying it, I'm getting the chills. Yeah. Because can you imagine feeling like that? Um, I can't. Really? Well, I, I have experienced that just from a vision loss perspective is, you know, you are being ignored at times because people think that you can't speak for yourself. Um, and so, yeah, it, it does feel like you are kind of erased or you don't matter, uh, you know, but absolutely. I mean, it's terrible. And, and I was just thinking what, what, what came to my mind as you're, we're talking about this is the, how a person can feel so isolated by by the results of all this um, lack of um, inclusion. Right. Absolutely. And um, for people that are older, and let's say living at home uh, independently, um, that obviously they're already isolated, so this could be more isolating. But I'm thinking about people that I've seen even in nursing homes who are surrounded by people but yet they really still are isolated because it's that same idea. People look at somebody and and see them like maybe paralyzed on one side or seeing that they can't really communicate that well. And so they just kind of walk by mm-hmm. them and ignore them. So and, and that situation is, I don't know if I'd say more disturbing, but you're surrounded by people, but yet you're isolated. You know, uh, Phyllis and uh, Anup, uh, wonderful, wonderful conversation. I want to share with the listeners who are not aware that uh, that Anu is uh, vision impaired and uh, is very, very attuned to the feelings and the and the interactions with uh, uh, those that are need of in need of special attention and how we can make them feel good and empower them and make them be better functioning than uh, than they are. Um, so, Anu, thank you very much. And one thought that comes to my mind in here is that, uh, and I'm really touched by that comment, Phyllis, that you said that they feel erased. I think perhaps that's where we can come in from Voices for Elder Care Advocacy is to um, make the general public aware that we need to be always cognizant to keep the people involved, to keep them engaged and not isolate them. I know this is a, a tendency because it's expedient to get things done, to say things. Um, then I do look forward to Continuing our our conversation in the next segment, ladies, thank you. And we now will go to a break. And this is Rubina Chaudhary, Anupala, and Phyllis Amen on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Hello, welcome, ladies. Um, Phyllis, I've heard the term aphasia. Can you share what that means, please? Sure. Aphasia is a difficulty. It's it's a loss of language, but it, it's really, there are two aspects of it. There's a, underst- a difficulty understanding what a person is saying, so that's called receptive aphasia. And then the inability to have the words to express yourself, which is called expressive aphasia. And um, there are different types. Many, I shouldn't say many. There are several different types. But they fall um, mainly in two categories. One would be called affluent aphasia. And the other one would be called a non-fluent so uh, just to give you a little bit of an idea, so a non-fluent aphasia is almost like, well, it can be in, in, in a severe form, almost like t- we call it telegraphic speech. So, you know, if you're writing a telegram, or oh, years ago, I don't know if people mm-hmm. still write mm-hmm. telegrams. <laughs> Does anybody <laughs> listening know what a telegram is? I I'm sure <laughs> listeners do. <laughs> but it's, it's very uh, short to the point. There are not a lot of connective words. It's, it's uh, really like the main words of the of the sentence that you're trying to convey. And and so people who have a non-fluent aphasia kind of speak in that way. Like they'll they'll uh, speak uh, they'll say nouns and verbs, but they may not have the words that come in between that kind of tie it all together. Mm. And and it could be very difficult for those words to come out. So I kind of use this example a little bit. It's like if you have a um a light bulb in a in a lamp, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the electricity is running through the wall, right? Right. And you know the light bulb works, but when you plug it in, something's wrong with the plug, so the electricity doesn't flow through to light the light bulb. So it's like a disruption in the in the connection. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting uh, metaphor. I get it. <laughs> And the other one I use is, and I know we all have experienced this, and 
I'm sorry to say as we get older, I think we experience it a little more. But you know when you're trying to think of something and you say, oh my gosh, that word is on the tip of my tongue. And it, it's like, it drives you crazy because you can't think of it. Mm-hmm. So that's another type of, um, of that type of aphasia where you just can't think of the word. Um, you might know the object. You might see a cup in front of you or a, or a spoon or a plate or a chair. You kind of know what it is, but you can't get that word out. And so what's difficult in, in that situation especially is those situations are kind of easy because let's say you want a fork or you want a glass of water. You could kind of point or gesture about those things that are concrete in our lives. But if it's something that's outside of the realm of what's in front of you, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how that would be as a permanent situation that you just can't convey that with to somebody. So a person who experiences aphasia, is this a result of an illness like dementia or stroke? Or how does a person, you know... Well, it is a very, uh, yes, uh, it is as a result of a stroke. And uh, it could be um, a hemorrhage. It could be a loss of oxygen to the brain because of a blood clot. It could be an aneurysm. Um and it depends where in the brain the the injury or the situation occurs. So, for instance, somebody who has a, a non-fluent aphasia, uh, the the um, that the situation occurs in on the left side of the brain, but more in the the front of the left side. And uh, they call that also like the motor center. So people who have that, and by the way, in the, the brain, it crosses. So what happens in the left usually affects the right side of the body. And what happens in the right usually accept, um, affects the left. Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, if the person had a stroke in that area of the brain, you might see that they have a, they're paralyzed or weak on the right side of their body, the right side of their face, um, that kind of goes along with that. But then there's, mm-hmm. sorry, but then there's another kind of aphasia that's called fluent aphasia, where the situation happens further back of in the brain on the left side, and those people experience very different kinds of symptoms. Those people. Um, don't understand what the person is saying that well. Oh, I think I should backtrack. People with non-fluent aphasia usually have better understanding than they have expression. People with fluent aphasia have difficulty not only understanding what people are saying, but what comes out is very fluent, like it could sound like running speech, just like we're talking now, but the words are all nonsense, like it's all jargon and you can't understand anything they're saying. But physically, they look fine. Mm-hmm. So that's frustrating in a different way. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I wanted to go back to something that we that you touched on uh, earlier about about how others are impacted when their loved ones um, are, are challenged with speaking. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, um, I just wanted to share um, a quick story about my own experience um, with my brother who had multiple sclerosis. And at first, well, we did, he wasn't even diagnosed at first. We didn't really know what he had. But with time, uh, he lost the... His, his speech was impacted. His motor skills were impacted. He slowly was losing his motor skills, then his mm-hmm. speech. It was getting becoming more difficult to understand him. And then with time, as the disease progressed, he became completely nonverbal. Right. And so as a person watching all this unfold, it was extremely difficult Um you know, to to figure out like what he wants, uh, if he's trying to ask for something, you know, like uh, as a family member, it, it can it's very um, distressing. Right. Absolutely. Now, multiple sclerosis and also um, 
amyotropic lateral sclerosis or better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm -hmm. People who have those uh, progressive neurologic diseases, usually their brain is intact, which is almost the worst part of it all. So their thinking is, is intact, yeah. and they can understand what people are saying, but they, ha- they don't have an ability to express what they want to say. Yeah, and, I, I, attribute it, I attribute that to being trapped in your own body. Correct, correct. Um, now, there with, um, and, and we won't go into mm-hmm. this too much, but with uh, multiple sclerosis and ALS, sometimes uh, people wind up on a ventilator because it affects their muscles of breathing, which also obviously impacts communication. If you can't breathe adequately, then you can't really, you don't have enough breath to, to speak, to communicate. It's very fatiguing. It's... Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's effortful. And even for people, by the way, going back to breathing, even people with uh, COPD, you know, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, mm-hmm. many of those people have difficulty communicating because they can't get adequate breath supply. And we all talk on air. You know, we take in air and we speak as the air is coming out, as we're exhaling. So if you don't have enough air, you can't really express yourself adequately. And I I work with a lot of people with COPD and have to work with them on uh, the therapy involves kind of retraining how you speak, uh, speak in shorter sentences, trying to pause in between sentences so that you can build up enough air to say what you want to say. But, you know, we all do things by habit. So we we talk habitually the same way we do other things habitually. So this right. is a very, very difficult thing to learn. It's not easy at all. It takes a lot of practice. Yeah, definitely. Now, is COPD something that is a progressive condition? Because I also work with a lot of clients who, you know, with vision loss, but they, but they have other uh, challenges like right. COPD. Uh, yeah, COPD is progressive. When when you watch television sometimes and they have these uh, commercials about, oh, just uh, take this inhaler or take this uh, medication and you'll be fine. You know, now you can play mm-hmm. with your, your grandchildren. I think that is one of the commercials that you see. I've, I've seen that one. <laughs> right. But it is a progressive disease. Okay. And it gets worse over time. And actually, um, and I think, Rubina, we probably will have another show about this later on, mm-hmm. about eating and chewing and swallowing, because those things affect your ability to eat as well. Definitely, definitely. I mean, this is a, a wonderful conversation, and I'm remembering so much. And uh, one of the situations, if you'd allow me to share that I'm remembering, is uh, is uh, my my friend's mom, my auntie. And uh, she had Lou Gehrig's disease. And, and when Anu said, you know, the, or you said the mind is intact, but the speech is impaired. And I remember one time, the whole family was away, you know, about four hours away on vacation uh, from their own house. Auntie was living with her daughter, who she and her, you know, sometime we would have to talk about the, the family and the care and what some wonderful models are there. And they were four hours away, and she was saying to them in her own way, we have to go home, we have to go home. And her daughter understood. And when they got home, the first thing was, because my family was visiting from LA. This is happening in Canada. And she wanted to come back to her house so that she could have my family at her house for dinner. Hmm. And it was so special. And she, and then when her daughter was sharing, you know, she says she was telling me I could understand. And I told her that yes, we will be there. Yes, we will be there. But uh, you know, she was very much, and I could see, I can see her smiling right now. The, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on her, the smile on her face when she reached there, and we were all together, mm. uh, and very, very much with it. Very, very much, uh, very, yeah. very much uh, with it. And um, anyway, I think we are about to go for our second break. Thank you, ladies. And 
Oh, I think we are. I think that was premature. I think that was premature. I think I think we're good. Okay, <laughs> we're good. We're good. So, I'm just just reminiscing and remembering Auntie so much, and just this. Uh, you got lost in your thoughts. <laughs> I got lost in my thoughts, and I was really visualizing her, her face, and uh, and and her smile. And uh, and the and the love that his fa her family gave to her and the care they took, and one some of the things I think that's where Phyllis we want to transition into. What are some of the things that you do as a speech therapist, and what are some of the things that uh, families can do? Right. Um, yes, as you have a family member or a loved one or friend that you're going to communicate with, there are. Um, Techniques, I want to say, strategies that you can use. Uh, of course, they are, they're time-consuming, and um, both parties have to be aware that that's what, uh, that's what you're doing to try and understand what they're saying because sometimes the person who's having difficulty feels infantilized. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel like they're they're being made to to out to be like a child. Sometimes they appreciate it, but sometimes not. Mm -hmm. So some of the things just quickly is to be able to ask basic questions that are yes, no. And that seems like it's an easier thing than it really is. Um, I've worked with many people and you say, OK, ask a yes or no questions. Say, OK, um, how do you feel today? Well, that's not a yes or no question. And uh, we're so used to saying certain things, certain phrases, that we don't think about having to rephrase them in a way to make them yes or no. Like, are you feeling okay today? Yes or no. Um, kind of thing. Or to give people choices. Um, do you want water or milk? Mm. Um, mm. Are you hungry? Yes or no. Um, sometimes people even have difficulty shaking their head for nodding their head yes or shaking their head no. Uh, sometimes people can only shake their head, nod their head yes or shake their head no, and they can't differentiate between the two. That becomes even a more difficult situation. And the other, one of the other ideas is to repeat what you think the person wants. Oh, so you want a cup of coffee kind of thing mm -hmm. um, but it's to make your sentences shorter simpler more concrete information nothing that's kind of too abstract um, where the person wouldn't be able to engage with you in in a conversation in a dialogue so that they could get their point across by the way sometimes when people have these kinds of difficulties a lot of stimulation can be very exhausting and it's it's distracting so that's oh. just a whole other area that people aren't aware of, actually. Oh, that's and, a, that's, I, and I guess the key thing I was going to say, I guess the key thing is also is just practice patience. Right. Practice patience. Practice patience. Yes, ladies, thank you very much. And we are talking about uh, the communication uh, speech in particular as and how it progresses as we age and what are some of the things that we can do and it's uh, I'm learning a lot and uh, Phyllis I will have a lot of questions uh, from you because I'm going through this situation right now but uh, we will now take a break and this is uh, Rubina Chaudhary, Phyllis Amen and Anupala on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and I just want to say thank you to Anu um, for agreeing to be our guest host and for sharing the interview with you, Rubina, because I always enjoy talking with Anu, so I'm thrilled Thank that you. she was able to join us today. Thank Hello. you. Thank yeah. you very much, Anu. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Okay. We'll talk soon. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Now, welcome back. Phyllis, how are you? I'm doing great. How did it feel to be on the other end? (laughs) It was funny. (laughs) It was really, really funny, but it was fun at the same time. Uh It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I want to thank you very much for... uh, for sharing your knowledge and uh, and as I was sharing with you in the break, I'm learning even in our preparatory conversations and I'm applying it on a on a real time basis and uh, and I and I'll share that experience with you and I also want to thank Anu for uh, for being our uh, our guest host and uh, and uh, helping us in. Uh, you know, spreading the word of uh, elder care and uh, and different topics that are of uh, of importance. Absolutely, she's terrific. Oh, so she is. Yeah, I do know that uh, you and I spoke about this the other day um, about your mom when I was talking about um, people who have dementia, who are getting older, who also have difficulty remembering words or um, being able to say their words clearly. Um, and uh, you were. I asked you how you were feeling about that. Do you ever find yourself feeling impatient? And you said yes, you did. So you want to talk about that a little? No, definitely. This uh, started more probably in the last six to eight months. And uh, you know, my mom will be ninety-two next week. So um, God bless and her. She, and she, yeah, God bless her. And she has been on dialysis, and I find that. Uh, on the day of dialysis, when her energy level is low, her speech is really impacted. And but uh, not more now. It's it's even more times that it's impacted. Sometimes, what I'm finding with her is she's more critical of herself. More. Hmm more conscious of herself or subconscious even. I can't remember, I can't speak. And I find myself giving her the courage of saying, yes, you can speak, just speak slower, you know. Uh, but, uh, but I know that she is having difficulty getting those words out more than she, she used to. And being on the other end of the telephone and receiving the call and, you know, her not knowing what I'm in the middle of and I'm, trying to contain what I'm in the middle of, uh, sometimes one does get impatient, you know. I right. may be in a meeting and I just, because the call came and I, I take her calls, 99.9% of the time I just walk mm-hmm. out and take her call. And the 1.1% that I forget uh, that I miss the call, I 
call her very shortly. Mm. And but then, what you know, about I want to get to the bottom of it? Oh, right. Yeah. Right. I wanted to ask you this though. You said that um you found you thought that she herself is giving up some of her independence by asking you to do things for her. And what I was particularly impressed with was that when you said that you are trying not to do that, most people are not aware of that and they just take over. Uh, that's the biggest biggest message that I can give to people. And, and actually I was at our North Orange County Seniors Collaborative Meeting, uh, uh, you know, uh, quarterly meeting the other day we were talking about the similar issues is to be conscious to keep on empowering them right and if we keep on doing that then they don't feel so erased right <coughs> excuse me and i'm i'm doing that with my mom right nine times out of ten and we had conversations yesterday where she's planning a party she wanted me to do all the invitations and I said, no, no, you can do it. You can do it. And she did make the phone calls and that also gives her the social interaction of talking to people. Right. Uh, so, you know, and uh, excuse me, <coughs> you know, partly I'm doing this for my own purpose as well, because after she moved into assisted living, I had one call where she said, okay, this, this and this and now do what you want. And I said, oh, hold it. Right. I'm a thousand miles away. We need to find another way of doing things. Right, so, right. So over the last few years, I've really been empowering her and, and, and trying for her to not think that I'm not doing things for her, but still encouraging her to do things for herself. And, and that's, a, that's an interesting balance. But I'm finding that's keeping her sharp. And the other thing that I want to share, Phyllis, is that is how grateful I am for this opportunity to co-host this show with you because I am learning every day and I'm every time we talk and I am applying it real time. And that's fantastic. I, and if you're applying it real time, I'm hoping our listeners are taking the information and are able to use it as well. I am hopeful, and I'm sure there are many who who are. Like I had a conversation with my mom yesterday, and uh, she was oh how tired she was. But you know when she went through the list, she had made all the call. She had invited the guests that she wants, and I said, you know that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I said I will come and I will do what my part of the party is. But this is yours. Invite as many people as you want, whoever you want. Right. And I only have my my responsibility was to send three text messages to relatives. Everybody else she invited. Now that's pretty good sharing, isn't it? I I think that's terrific. So yes. it's important for people to realize, just as we talk about uh, with dementia, which there's language loss associated with dementia as well, but it's also the same, a similar uh, kind of thinking to allow people to be as independent as possible as long as possible. And people can do more things than than those around them realize. Definitely. And, and part of it comes from, I think, this, uh, our lifestyle right now, the expediency, the the rush to everything, the not take the time. It's just easier to say it, you know. It's like a child talking. It's easier for you to give the answer for them than than waiting for them to give the answer. It's, it's true. I was just thinking when you said that, when we're, when we're encouraging our children or watching our children learn, how many times you know you have to rush out the door but you're watching your child and encouraging them to try and zip their jacket on their own or to um, or to tie their shoelaces. And you do that because they need to be learn to learn to become independent. You know, uh, one thing that I remember now, this is when Auntie was beginning to, you know, we knew she had Lou Gehrig's disease, that she would lose her speech. And some of the research that was being done, I was 
not very close to it, but I was familiar with it. And one of the things that was advised was to record the person's voice and the instructions and some of their favorite terms and phrases or something, and then even have them available uh, for you know, for them to play on a recorder or, or have them on an iPad or something so that they have alternate communication. And that is okay. a great idea. That is a uh, that is a method that people use um, so that, you know, as they're, um, what do I want to say, like alternative um, means of communication. So there are buttons they could push or phrases mm-hmm. that go along with, let's say I want something to drink or, you know, I need to go to the bathroom or I'm cold or whatever it is. Um, yes, that it's in their own voice. That is something that's come about in the last few years or several years. And I think it's really fantastic that people can still have their own voice. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you've done, Phyllis, that uh, that have been effective where you've seen, you know, good results? Well, basically... Um, you know, different therapy techniques um, in terms of helping people recall words, um, putting words together. There's actually an interesting technique called melodic intonation therapy. And um, I love this technique is where where you pair the, the, um, the rhythm or the melody of what we say with the, with phrases, with particular phrases and that the melody, uh, because uh, I, we talked about this on the Music and Memory show, how, uh, you know, you hear a, you hear the first note of a song and all of a sudden you can sing the song. But if mm-hmm. somebody told you the title, you couldn't repeat the words. So yeah. there are uh, definite uh, inflections and melodies and rhythms to every language. And if you pair those with, uh, let's say, phrases, functional phrases, everyday phrases, that sometimes will help the person to regain the ability to produce those phrases. Wonderful. It's actually very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it could be as simple as having a glass of water or hot water, like uh, you're trying to talk on the radio and your voice is trying to give up. Right. Right. Right, so it's, exactly. It's, it's 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 everything from the physical to the uh, to the environmental uh, as well. Yes, absolutely. And, uh-huh. Uh huh. Phyllis, as we come to the end of this segment, I want to thank you very much for sharing your ex- expertise. And I know you'll be traveling to California to attend uh, Olive Community Services absolutely. Annual Vision I Luncheon. I and can't wait. And then next week, we hope that you and I are going to be together doing the show in the same place, which is really exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And Anu will also be here, so we will be able to converse together and spend some quality time together. In the meantime, this is Rubina Chaudhary and Phyllis Amen with uh, Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.